all have those thoughts that will not die. Along with many other thought distractions, these can keep us from thinking clearly and focusing on what we desire and who we can be. This is Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. What if you could learn to command the power of thought and make the laws of the universe work in your favor? It can be done, and it just takes some adjustments to become a thought genius. Now, here is your host, Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin. Well, we certainly have an exciting episode for you this week in, on uh, Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. And uh, my special guest is uh, Dr. Dawson Church. Uh, he's an award-winning author, uh, best-selling book, uh, The Genie in Your Genes, has been hailed by uh, many reviewers as uh, a breakthrough in our understanding in the link between emotions and genetics. And I have to tell you, this is a must-read for anybody. I could not put this book down. And uh, it is written in such a way that uh, anybody can understand it. And it's very thorough, and it, it really is uh, a, a, a book that everybody should have in their library to begin to understand how all of this fits together. Um, D- uh, Dr. Church has also founded the uh, National Institute for Integrative Healthcare uh, in order to study and implement promising evidence-based psychological and medical techniques. His uh, groundbreaking research has been published in uh, many prestigious scientific journals. He is also the editor of uh, Energy Psychology, Theory, Research, and Treatment, which is a uh, peer-reviewed professional journal, uh, also a blogger for uh, the Huntington Post, and a reviewer for the APA's uh, Mental Health Mobile Phone Application. I didn't even know the APA had such a thing. So that's uh, very interesting. Uh, he has, uh, uh, it's for working with the breakthroughs of energy psychology, health, athletic performance, and uh, through the EFT uh, universe. And we'll let him kind of explain uh, what that is. Dawson, uh, welcome to the program. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. It is so good to be here. And I think you and I share so many interests. We're going to have a dynamic and lively show. Yeah, I absolutely think so. In fact, the first question I'd like to start off with is uh, I was so fascinated uh, with your book, uh, Genie in Your Genes, The uh, Epigenetic Medicine, A New Biology of Intention. What motivated you to uh, do that piece of work? Well, I was so struck by the links between the elements there. It was like being a detective and being on the trail of the clues. So I'd go to conferences where these researchers were talking about energy medicine and some of the research in that field. Then I'd go to conferences where people talking, were talking about epigenetics and, and the advances there, and psychology conferences. And I was going at that time to all of the um, A4M, the American Academy for um, Anti-Aging Medicine conferences. And so I saw all of these fields of endeavor having pieces of the puzzle, but no one had zipped them all together yet, shown how they all work together. And so I, I began to do that, and the book was the result. And, and it's really remarkable now that we have these experimental methods. We have things like gene chip machines that will actually measure gene expression. And so we're now able to validate th- uh, these esoteric practices like meditation, yoga, acupuncture and so on, and show what they're doing, not just to our, our hormones and to our neurotransmitters, but to our genes. So I've been just absolutely dazzled by all of these links and also by 
the power of these new tools to validate these ancient heating practices. Yeah, there, there is so much of that that's going on. And uh, just over the last few years, we've seen a number of uh, people coming together. It seems like it's been kind of an isolated individuals working on whatever uh, they're working on. And now we're all coming together in communities where scientists and energy healers and people like that are, are we're interacting with one another and being able to put out pieces of work that, um, you know, uh, dovetail uh, together. You know, there's, uh, I remember years ago, uh, when I first read uh, The Biology of Belief by my good friend uh, Bruce Lipton and had opportunities to, to talk about that. In fact, I used that. I was teaching a course at Arizona State University in neuroscience and leadership, and that was one of the required books that people had to read because I was starting to introduce that uh, at an academic level, you know, uh, several years ago. And we hear a lot about energy psychology. It's something that comes up more and more often these days. And so I was interested in the idea of how energy psychology can influence the effects on your DNA. Can you enlighten us a little bit there? Sure. And energy psychology is applying energy medicine, the bigger field of energy medicine, to psychological problems like anxiety, depression, phobias, and PTSD. And, um, the, the, the links are, are very interesting. We know now that even though psychiatrists and psychologists divide mental health issues like anxiety, depression, PTSD into different buckets, if you look at the, um, the diagnostic manual of the American Psychiatric Association, there are hundreds and hundreds of different diagnoses, mental health diagnoses. But to a biologist, to a physiologist, to a molecular biologist, they all look very similar. They look like dysregulation of the body's body systems. For example, we find big imbalances balances in hormones like cortisol and DHEA. We find big imbalances in neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. And so all, although these things are classified as mental health disorders, physiologically they have a lot in common and they look like bodies that aren't, aren't functioning well. And of course, people don't feel good in their bodies. I, I say that if you feel good physically, that means that a whole host of biological events are happening in your body. Your serotonin and dope are balanced. Your, your cortisol and DHEA are balanced. Your sympathetic nervous system, which governs fight or flight, is balanced with your relaxation part of your nervous system. So um, I show people how all of these things interlink. And energy psychology produces shifts in those kinds of symptoms very, very rapidly, not by talking about them. I met one of my heroes recently when I was lecturing at Esalen, uh, Stanis Graf, and he joked that he'd been in, in Freudian analysis for four years, times a week for about two hours each time. And after four years, he said, I, I knew exactly why I was so messed up, but I had no idea how to change. Energy <laughs> psychology doesn't, doesn't do that. It doesn't dig deep into why you're so messed up. It's highly change-focused. So we use acupressure, we use energy work of various kinds, like you'd find in healing touch or therapeutic touch, and people respond super, super quickly. Like there's just one study I did, it was a randomized controlled trial of 59 war veterans with PTSD, severe PTSD, nightmares, flashbacks, all kinds of physical symptoms, and they got just six 
six one-hour sessions of emotional freedom techniques, one energy psychology method, EFT. And so again, in six one-hour techniques, their, their symptoms of PTSD declined by an average of 64%, and 90% of them were free of PTSD after treatment. So it wasn't 100% successful, 10% still had PTSD afterwards, but 90% of them were not only free of PTSD after six one-hour sessions, but they remained so on three- and six-month follow-up. So, again, we now have in our hands these amazing new energy methods that don't take years of therapy or years of, of analysis to help people get better. They feel better right away, and they're being affected down to the level of molecular biology. So it's an exciting time to have these energy therapies that can address problems like these mental health issues that we, we just struggled with as a society for so many decades. We now, in our hands, literally, we have the ability to, to, uh, to address these, these problems and remediate them very, very, very quickly. You know, we know that the, 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 the word cure is not very, very much, much used in medicine nowadays. People talk, they, doctors talk about managing our symptoms and things like that. But, um, but the reality is that many people are cured of even really serious diagnoses after just, just a few sessions. So that's what energy psychology and energy medicine are, are showing us as we research them, not just in terms of their, their psychological effects, but down to the level of their epigenetic effects. Yeah, I share that um, th- those thoughts uh, that disease is nothing more than dysregulated energy. And, you know, we see a lot of that in uh, brain mapping. So when we do an EEG and then convert it to a quantitative EEG, a QEEG, and we see those patterns for anxiety and depression and PTSD uh, in those brain maps and uh, and how that by changing the the function of the energy and one of one of the methods that we use is neurofeedback and getting the neurons to fire a little bit differently than what they have been firing. So um, there, there's a, a lot to that in terms of phase and coherence and amplitude uh, that involves in that. But we nowadays we have the ability not only to measure it but to do something about it. And yes. and in some of the uh, uh, we just finished a research project uh, with Access Consciousness, and, and I uh, am in the process of writing all of that up now and looking at the energy flows in the body and how that, that relates. And, and also, uh, we are involved in a project with uh, uh, Midwestern University and looking at equine-assisted therapy that we're doing with uh, veterans that have PTSD and head injury as well as first responders. And looking at that energy relationship between the uh, the horse and the uh, the person that has the PTSD uh, or the uh, head injuries, we also work with professional athletes that suffer from that, and uh, we're seeing some pretty amazing effects just by changes in that energy and and how quickly those things can um, turn the course of what what's going on. So, I think. Energy psychology is here to stay, and the more of us that uh, continue to do work in this area and report those results, uh, the more uh, people will be engaged. In fact, you know that's one of the reasons why we got involved with this project at Midwestern University, because it's a, a medical college, and they, they turn out uh, DOs over there, and they're just uh, uh, about a mile and a half from where my office is here, so uh, we've been working with them for a little while now, but... Uh, I, I think the things that we talk about in energy medicine, uh, these people in some of these medical universities are now 
looking at how they can add these energy tools to the uh, tools that they already use. So, and how, how potent they are as medical interventions. If you look at the research, for example, into mindfulness meditation, you'll see studies showing that it's affecting the regulation, sometimes of over a thousand genes, uh, many regulatory genes as well. And I mean, if we had a, a drug to do that, it would be the best-selling drug imaginable. And yet, all it is is, is, is simple lifestyle interventions that are often easy, cheap, or free. They, are, they don't cost a lot of money. But again, learn to meditate, learn to, to do EFT tapping, learn a few, learn heart math, learn a few of these kinds of energy therapies. And suddenly, you're literally shifting your, your gene expression massively, which is affecting all of your internal organ systems. So uh, I'll, I'll give you one, one, one cool example, actually. Um, I did, the study I mentioned earlier that was actually published in a, in a prominent uh, psychiatry journal, the oldest peer-reviewed psychiatry journal in the U.S. And um, so it was published a few years back and, and was then done, there was a replication done by some colleagues of mine. And one day, maybe two or three years after it was published, I, uh, I, I had occasion to pull up the, the, the data from the study again. And I, I looked at, I happened to look at the column for traumatic brain injury. Now, we never thought there would be any kind of effect for traumatic brain injury. That's, that's a soft tissue injury. That's like when a Humvee gets blown up in Iraq and the, um, the inhabitants get thrown around inside the Humvee and their, their, maybe their skull is in a helmet but it has an impact against the metal and there's that traumatic brain injury. There's actually injury to the soft tissue of the brain and it shows up in lack of coordination and all kinds of other, other problems later on. And often, by the way, it isn't uh, apparent early on. I remember one photograph of, a, uh, of, of, of three soldiers and their MRAP had been blown up by a roadside bomb in, in, in Iraq and afterwards the, the, the vehicles overturned but it, it, it's so strong that afterwards the, there are photographs of them laughing and smiling and joking about it, smoking cigarettes afterwards but then fast forward three years and the, the, one of these young men is now in uh, he's bedridden, he's bloated, he's, he's, he's got a whole host of physical symptoms because of that TBI. So I pulled up this data on TBI from our study and discovered to my amazement, we'd never tried to run any analysis of the, the, that because I thought it's a soft tissue injury. How on earth can six one-hour sessions of EFT be affected? We know it's, it's, it's improving PTSD, but how could it possibly improve TBI? Lo and behold, we, uh, and it, also we were working with the University of Arizona, who was doing the analysis of the data, had them analyze that data, and I was absolutely astonished. There was a 41% reduction in TBI symptoms. So we're finding large reductions in pain, large reductions in physical symptoms like TBI. And when you regulate your emotions, when you regulate the, the mind and the heart and the, the emotions, it, it turns out to have often hugely impressive results on those, what we think of as purely physical conditions. And yeah, we have so much more to talk about in, in, in these uh, segments of, of the program today. But let's take a, a short break, and uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice American Empowerment Channel. Follow 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant, Dietta Jones and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we're back with uh, my special guest, Dr. Dawson Church, and we have been discussing uh, energy medicine. And I'd like to uh, move on, um, even though we could talk for days about this, I think, uh, but uh, talk a little bit about uh, the piezoelectric effect. So uh, when, we, when we talk about that effect in the body, I really love the description that you have in your book where they liken it to a uh, modern gas barbecue grill. Maybe you could expand on that for us. Sure. Well, when I start talking about acupuncture, often people say, well, it's just you know, oriental medicine and it's just uh, this, uh, this, this, these imaginary points. So I grab a little device called a skin galvanometer in my live workshops and I actually have a volunteer up front and I use the skin galvanometer on the, the volunteer, and all it does is just measuring the resistance in the skin. So, again, resistance is, is the opposite of conductance. Uh, if you have a power cord, you have a copper wire in the middle, highly conductive, you have rubber on the outside, highly resistant. And so this little, little gizmo just measures how resistant or conductive your skin is. When I hit an acupuncture point, that device goes crazy because it's picking up these areas of really, really low 
resistance and high conductance in the skin. And they're tiny. They're usually the size of a pinhead, very, very small. When you're just a millimeter away, you can't measure them. And what we do when we use acupuncture or acupressure or tapping on acupressure points, what's happening is we're sending a piezoelectric charge through the body. And piezoelectricity is electricity produced by friction. And the example, I again, I'm always searching, Jeffrey, for... Um, analogies that will connect with people, that will make people say, oh, I get that, because so much of science is, is a little obscure, hard to, hard to apply to everyday life, but it's so exciting when you do learn to apply it. And so the, the best example I was able to find was when you are turning on your gas grill. So you have your propane or your, your natural gas grill, and when you turn the knob to the light position. It goes click, 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 and then it lights. What that is, is that's piezoelectricity, and it's actually the, the striking of a metal element against a ceramic plate that produces that enough electrical charge to light the gas. Same thing when we tap or apply pressure on acupuncture points. And again, these are points of very, very high conductance, very, very low resistance. In fact, they have, they have one two-thousandth of the, the resistance of the surrounding skin, highly conductive points. And again, you can measure them. They're objective. They're real. So when we tap or uh, produce, apply pressure to those, we're sending a piezoelectric signal through our bodies. Now, the part of our bodies we're, we're, we're actually transmitting through is the connective tissue. And the connective tissue is in highly regular arrays of molecules. And in my book, The Genie in Your Genes, I talk about what a highly regular array of molecules is. It's a crystal. We have this giant liquid crystal signaling system inside of our bodies called the connective tissue body. It's actually the largest single organ in the body, even, even bigger than our skin. And it transmits these piezoelectric signals all the way through our body. So that's one reason why people feel so much better after these energy medicine interventions like EFT tapping. People just tap on these points or apply pressure to these points while they're thinking about a trauma. One, one Vietnam veteran, for example, was haunted by memories of his best friend getting killed in Vietnam. And every day they would walk out on patrol together and he was always on the left, his buddy was always on the right. The day his buddy got killed by a sniper, they had switched positions. He was on the right, his friend was on the left. So for over 35 years, he'd had this survivor's guilt, this terrible guilt, flashbacks, nightmares of that day his best friend was killed. So we did EFT with him, and just tapping on those acupressure points, he thought of all the details of the, the event, and, and I won't tell you what they were. They were, they were horribly gory. It was a really terribly traumatic event. But he had a complete shift in the way he saw the event, and he said, you know, I realize now just the way I would have died for him, he would have died for me. And he had peace, peace after 35 years about the event. That's the magic of applying these, these kinds of energy medicine techniques to even terribly traumatic events that otherwise really hurt our lives and hurt, hurt our, our, our bodies. So that's the magic. Piezoelectricity is the mechanism, but that's the way it winds up affecting and improving people's lives. You know, I've... Uh done something similar. I wrote my doctoral dissertation as it relates to EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing as it Love relates it. Yes. to uh, stress, depression, and anxiety um, in the workplace. Had no problem finding <laughs> subjects to uh, to work on that, but um, 
for those that don't know about EMDR, it is a bilateral stimulation of the hemispheres of the brain. So that's the scientific definition of it. But you can simply alternate tapping on your knees or on your shoulders or something like that. And my understanding of, of how that works is it causes a burst of acetylcholine in the brain, which uh, initially when we have these cognitions come together, some we have uh, some experience in life, we have uh, a meaning that we apply to that and some emotion. And then every time uh, we get a trigger, it's kind of like when you hear that song and it takes you way back when and you have yes. memories and feelings about that. Oh, right. That uh, the EMDR and you talk about the EFT, I've got some uh, training in in tapping and so forth and and can testify to the uh, effect of that. And now I think we better understand that that it is actually the piezoelectric uh, uh, process that's coming into play there. Would you agree with that? Yes, EMDR and EFT. Uh, both use tapping and both use eye movements. There's uh, a, a technique in EFT called the nine gamma technique, which uses, uses eye movements very similar to, to EMDR. And uh, it's so interesting that these eye movements seem to engage the brain. And the research after World War II showed that soldiers who'd been traumatized in combat, and this was published in 1946 by a British surgeon called uh, Traquair, he found that, that soldiers who'd been in combat had very a lot of difficulty with their peripheral vision when they looked straight ahead they were fine when they looked to the side or up or down at the periphery of vision their eyes would flutter and so uh, this this phenomenon that our eyes are linked to the way we process traumatic memories is is quite has been around for about 60 years and so EMDR and EFT both use uh, both take advantage of that use eye movements while we at, and or tapping while we process these memories. And that seems to help the brain recognize that these memories are not proximate current threats to our survival. And once you break that condition response one time between remembering the buddy getting killed in Vietnam or the auto accident or the whatever it is, the assault, when you break that association in the brain one time, it usually stays broken. You know, there seems to be two ends of that spectrum, and we've seen this in the uh, brain mapping of advanced meditators where we'll see that uh, saccadic eye movement, the involuntary movement of the eye muscles. Uh, We see it in our clinic here when people have a lot of anxiety and the PTSD that we'll see that fluttering, but we've also seen that happen when uh, people are on the other end of the scale, advanced meditators are actually going into a very deep state of meditation. And uh, I guess that plays uh, on both ends of the spectrum, whether you are uh, creating a new uh, experience inside your your brain or you're replaying uh, an experience that has happened to you. So it seems like there's there's quite a lot of association with that. You know, I, yeah, I, and the body, uh, the body often can't tell the difference if you're telling the story of the car crash, often you're producing the same kind of biochemical events in your body as during the car crash. So you hear people describe these terrible memories they have, and 
again, you mentioned the emotion, and there's so much emotion attached to them. And that emotion is causing a rise in cortisol. It's causing a rise in all the neurotransmitters of stress. And then when you apply these kinds of techniques like EMDR, like EFT, like mindfulness, like heart math, what you find is just the opposite thing happens. You, you calm the person, and then their cortisol goes, goes way down. I did another triple-blind randomized control trial with cortisol and EFT, and we, we, we gave people just one session of either rest or talk therapy or EFT, and their numbers dropped more than twice as much for anxiety and depression with EFT than with talk therapy, and the cortisol declined precipitously. So it's literally, when you do these kinds of therapies, it's having an effect biochemically in your body and your brain. Yeah, I, I found that pretty interesting in your book where you talk about the magnetic field effect and uh, how the charge of a normal cell has an electrical potential of about 90 millivolts and one that's inflamed uh, is about 120 millivolts while one that's uh, degenerating has a potential of around 30 millivolts. So there's that range of uh, energy that happens there. And with the uh, the GDV equipment that we use for measuring some of the research, the gas discharge visualization, um, we're able to see that uh, changes in uh, the entropy within the body, whether it's using that energy, whether it's increasing or decreasing, if it's in a normal range, and how that relates to how the person is handling stress, for example. Uh, when we look at the activation coefficient, um, it, it can be in that depleted uh, range where people are in protection rather than growth, or it can be in the normal range or if it's above the normal range. So it seems to go hand-in-hand hand with uh, these measures that you talk about, you know, what a, what a normal uh, potential, electrical potential in a cell is. So there's definitely that communication that's going on, not only um, from uh, interventions that we're using in energy medicine, but uh, also uh, from the quantum field. And we see that in many of the brain maps that we are working with people who have these kundalini experiences. And when their energy is lined up and the heart and brain coherence is there, then the magic starts to happen for them. Yes, and all of those systems are interrelated. So you'll find those brain wave patterns changing. You'll also find their neurotransmitters shifting. You'll find their skin conductance shifting. You'll find their hormones uh, shifting, all of these things happening simultaneously. And so one shorthand way of thinking about all of these different systems and where they, where they all shift is simply stress and relaxation. When you're stressed, your, uh, your brain patterns are changing, the way you, the areas of your brain that are active are changing, your neurotransmitters, your hormones, all of those things are changing based on stress. And that makes perfect sense in terms of our evolution because we needed a really quick stress response when our ancestors were, were foraging for food, were dealing with threats in the environment. They needed a, a stress response that turned on and turned on really fast. And when they were really threatened by a tiger in, in, the, in the same area, they had to have that stress response recruit all the other biological systems to cope with survival. So that was really useful for them back then. The trouble is nowadays there are no tigers. So we have all this threat assessment machinery in our brains and nothing to engage it that's out there in terms of an object of threat. So what we do instead is we worry, we fret, we make ourselves anxious, we make ourselves depressed. All of this mental activity, but it's engaging 
those same fight or flight mechanisms inside our bodies, and they they really deplete our uh, our bodies long term. So people with with high degrees, for example, of uh, of adverse childhood experiences, people with, with large numbers of bad things, unresolved emotional trauma from childhood, have much higher rates of heart disease, diabetes, cancer, hypertension, all kinds of, of problems later on in life are associated with, with, with a failure to process our emotions. If you have those bad things happen and you don't learn to heal them, they're going to really show up as physical symptoms later on in your life. So we have a couple of minutes be, uh, before we go to our next break here. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I see is uh, people can get addicted to uh, overactivation of like the amygdala where that tends to rank order not only our fight and flight but uh, all of the emotions. And and so I think that's one of the reasons why people have a lot of these conditions is because um, they either grew up in an environment or their genetics – uh, we're predispositioned to turn on and uh, that if my mother was fearful and anxious when I was being born, then that signal is going to be in my genetics until I do something about it. Uh, would you totally. kind of go along with that? Yeah, because that, that high amygdala activation was, was highly adaptive for that, that, that child. So the cortisol crosses the, the, the placental barrier. So if your mother was stressed, you were literally being, being bathed in those stress hormones like cortisol. And so you acquired this, um, this set of this, this, these set points of high and low cortisol that were, were higher than, than normal. Then after you were born, you were in your crazy family and maybe you're, you had, had a, one parent who was uh, you know, angry, one parent who was depressed, one parent who, who was perhaps um, uh, abusing a substance. So you may have had a, a sibling that was bullying you or unsympathetic. So you needed that high cortisol level in your crazy family. So that high cortisol level you learned when you were three and five and nine years old, highly adaptive, really helped you hide, get out of trouble, get out of, daddy, out of daddy's way when he was drinking and raging, get out of mom's way when she was angry and upset and depressed. So that high cortisol level totally served you when you were young. But now that you're 40 or 50, it's, it's having such bad effects on your body. You don't need it anymore. And yet, you've learned in your body physically that that high level of stress is, is useful and normal. You don't know how to get out of it. Out of it. So, yeah. over time, we, uh, it your system. Yeah, we're going to take a little break now and uh, come back and talk uh, more about this. And we'll let uh, Dr. Church uh, talk a little bit about how uh, genetics and beliefs uh, come together. And and uh, you're listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the Voice American Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. 
The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. Do you feel alone even when you're surrounded by others? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April J. Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to help you find out who you are. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, we're back with my guest, Dr. Dawson Church, and we have been uh, discussing how uh, the piezoelectric effect has uh, an effect on our genes. And, and I kind of want to go now to uh, something that, that, I mean, everything was fascinating in your book, but I really got intrigued on the uh, chapter about beliefs. You know, so my understanding is that, you know, we create a belief. It's just a thought that we have over and over and over again and becomes uh, embedded in our subconscious uh, rule book, if you will. And our behavior and reaction to things in the world are guided by those beliefs. And so there's always been that uh, that question in science, is it nature or is it nurture? And I think we can definitively say now that the answer is yes. Um, uh. So, <laughs> um, uh, what is your perspective on how beliefs are created and uh, how that tends to affect not only our behavior but the health of our cells. Beliefs are created by repetitive experiences. So, for example, if you show up in a therapist's office and you're 50 years old and you have anxiety, it, that, that anxiety didn't just appear there. It was built up out of a whole bunch of negative experiences, usually very early in life. And so now you believe that the world is an unsafe place, you believe that, that the world won't supply your needs, you believe you aren't worthy. You have all of these beliefs, but they arose usually very, very early in life. And you think that's the way the world is, but it's actually the way your brain is. And so people will say, well, you know, I just, I, I, can, I can prove it to you because I just had this, this series of bad experiences in the last three years, and they'll tell you the bad experiences that, that reinforce their beliefs. And they'll say, but you know, that, that wasn't me, that was uh, something that happened out there, that was something that happened to me. And yet, 
the way our brains are, are formed is that if we send signals through a neural pathway repeatedly, we, 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 uh, we enhance that pathway. The work of Dr. Eric Handel showed this in the 1990s, and he won the Nobel Prize for Medicine in 2000 for his work, showing that if you take a neural pathway and pass a signal through it over and over and over again, the number of synaptic connections in that pathway can double in one hour. Now, that is, that is a wake-up call. In one hour of passing that signal through a neural bundle, you're doubling its signaling capacity. And so if you're thinking anxious thoughts and saying anxious things and believing that the world is an unsafe place and you're sending those signals through your brain, your brain is making those circuits bigger and bigger and better and better at conducting information. So now you're 30 years old or you're 50 years old and you have a long history of that neurological signaling your brain is super good at, at working that way, and it is overlooking all the evidence to the contrary. And so you seem to keep on having experiences that validate your beliefs, and yet it's you who's actually creating those because it's, this is the neural network you've created. These are the glasses. This is the frame through which you see the world. And to change, you have to start to change your frame. You have to find a different frame. You have to believe in that frame in the absence, actually, of any evidence that it's true, you have to start, start believing different things, more positive things, and then you start to build those parts of your neural network. If you don't use a neural pathway, it starts to decompose in about three weeks. So if you aren't using that neural pathway of anger, frustration, anxiety, blame, criticism, whatever it might be, within just three weeks, it starts to, 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 to be undone by your body. And this is, the, this, is, this, is the, this is the paradox of change. We have these brains that have these beliefs. We have these beliefs about the world. They've been formed very early in life. And Jeffrey, a lot of them aren't true. In my live workshops, I stand up there in front of a crowd of people. I say, all those beliefs you got about how the world is an unsafe place, about how you don't have a place in it, how you aren't worthy, you don't belong, all this stuff. It's not true. <clears throat> these are just beliefs and we're here to shift them. And so we then teach people these energy psychology techniques to do just that. But you're, you're right that, that the beliefs aren't just thoughts. They're literally neurological path, objective. They're, they're networks of neurons inside your brain, in your head, and they rewire your brain over time. And if they're unhealthy ones, they will predispose you to having the same negative experiences over and over and over again. Yeah, I uh, talk a lot about this uh, in in some of my lectures and in the book and so forth, that if we hold a thought for 17 seconds, whether it's a wanted thought or an unwanted thought, doesn't matter, the uh, the quantum principle is still the same. If I hold that thought for 17 seconds, the uh, principle of uh, attraction basically says that other thoughts that are like that will be attracted to it because of the vibrational pattern. So if I hold that all the way to 68 seconds, then it has amassed enough energy to not only affect um, uh, wave energy matter, but it begins to affect particle matter. And so that's how we create our reality. So I can see very easily when we have these thoughts over and over and over again, it, you know, just holding it for 68 seconds, but think about that for, you know, 
55 years. Uh, that, uh, that tends to, uh, to reinforce that, but that's the signal that we're putting out there. So uh, into the uh, quantum field, and that's what begins to be attracted back to us. So if I have those thoughts of, you know, like you suggested, being anxious and fearful and whatever it is, and maybe I have a, a, a thought of I want more money, I, I, I want more money, and I want that attracted to me, and what's being broadcast is actually what's in our belief system that says you don't deserve more money. So we tend to attract that which we have built up. But yet, it's not a, a a life sentence for us. We have control over that, where by changing our thinking, uh, we can begin to change that or change, like you say, with the tapping mechanism uh, to change those and focus on what we do want rather than what we don't want. And uh, I, I think those go hand in hand. Do you find that uh, much of the work that you have written about uh, deals with the quantum entanglement process that we are all well, part of each other and part of that energy field. Well, Edwin Schrödinger, the great physicist, said that he believed entanglement to be the fundamental uh, characteristic of, of matter. So there's certainly a lot of evidence from quantum physics that entanglement is is a factor, and it's the one thing. When I, when I wrote the Genie in Your Genes, I'll tell you a funny story about this. Um, I really did not want to write the chapter on uh, quantum mechanics. I did not want to write it, have a chapter in there. I did not want to have a chapter in distant healing, uh, on about distant healing in the book. And so I tried to write the book, and I wrote the entire first draft of the book, actually, without that chapter. But I realized that I could not publish the book that way. I had to write the chapter on quantum effects and entanglement because how else do you explain distant healing? I can explain healing of somebody who's right there in front of me even without physical contact. I can explain uh, if someone's there in the room with me and I have, I have healing intentions toward them and the field effect, that my field is affecting their, 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 their field. Very nice, neat explanation. But how do you explain the effect that is seen in many studies of prayer, of intention, of qigong, of energy healing, where somebody is being, experiencing a healing effect and it's a long, long, long way away physically. Or like the studies done by my friend Dean Radin at, at Nomadic Sciences, when they're in a shielded room, a Faraday cage, a lead-lined room that allows absolutely no radiation of any known form in or out. How do you explain these people being affected in, in, in those cases? So um, there's so much evidence for distant, distant effects, distant healing, and so we have to find some kind of explanation that, 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 that is, is, is valid for that, and entanglement is one of the few that um, we, we can find. So uh, that's one of the things I had to grapple with, and it was also hard because I had to read these really difficult scientific papers and then try to explain it all in terms like the gas grill and the clicker. And so it was a, uh, it was a fiendishly hard chapter to, to write, Jeffrey, but I had to I had just bite the bullet and do it and try to explain these concepts because they, they're the only scientific explanation we have right now for distant effects, how I can pray for somebody, how I can intend for somebody who's in Antarctica or in India or in, in, in Taiwan, or, uh, and, and, and there's, a, there's a healing effect with them. Even with EFT, we find that people doing tapping 
for people a long way away is often measurably effective. So, um, yeah, it's a fascinating world, and we have we have only the only the most sketchy idea now, right now of how it works. But I, I think science will will begin to measure these things more accurately over time. We'll have much better explanations later on. Right now, though, we see the effects clinically. We don't quite know how it all works at the uh, at the uh, at the phys- physical level. Yeah, we're um, actually doing some of those measures where energy healers um, that we we have a giver and a receiver, and the uh, the giver will wear our uh, headgear that was designed for the military and measuring their EEG. It's a wireless uh, thing, and each of the electrodes is um, uh, has like a mini Faraday cage, so it filters out any extraneous information. Then uh, while that's going on and they're performing this uh, process uh, to get the energy to flow better in the body, we uh, we have a, a device called a Sputnik and we use these uh, in Dr. Dispenza's work uh, of measuring the energy, really the relationship of the energy in the room and the changes in that energy. And so we're, we're able to measure that and, and we see these direct effects of what goes on in that quantum field, whether it's uh, a close distance or a far distance, and that uh, observer effect, whatever we observe, then you know becomes what the focus is. Um, we'll have to save that definition and discussion for later. Uh, I also found uh, a notion, you know, with the last couple of minutes that we've got here in your book about the uh, the brain's electrical rhythms, and you talk about alpha and beta. Uh, which are synchronized with a heart, and, and we've seen that as well in some of the measures that, that we've done uh, with Dr. Dispenza. Uh, but uh, you, you talk about when the synchronization between the heart and the brain, that it gives rise to things like uh, intuition, creativity, and optimal performance. And we actually can measure that. I, I have the good fortune to talk with a lot of people that we've done brain maps with, uh, at these events, and we clearly can see the signature in their coherence when people are uh, highly intuitive and functioning at, at an optimal rate. So um, we'll give you a, a, a little bit as we wrap up here. Uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Uh, Church for being on the show today and well, the wealth of knowledge and certainly want to have him back as we can continue uh, uh, discussing this stuff forever. Um, if people want to know more about your work besides getting a copy of your book, how can they get more information? You can download a free copy of the EFT mini manual. Also, for free, you can get the instructions for eco-meditation, my favorite meditation technique, from my website, DawsonGift.com. Who's just my name, Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N, DawsonGift.com. And that then gives you access to a huge number of resources in energy medicine and energy psychology. So just that one, that one place, DawsonGift.com, is the portal to everything else that I'm interested in and, and, and recommend. So well, thank you very much uh, for being on the show, and, and it's really been a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, doing all this work that w- is being planned out now in 2016, and I'm sure we'll have you back again many times. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again. You're uh, listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on the uh, Voice America Empowerment Channel, and uh, tune in again next week for another fascinating discussion. 
Thank you for tuning in to the show this week. Please join Dr. Jeffrey Fannin again for another edition of Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week possible.